we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Urgency of Change. This episode is the fourth in the new season of the Krishnamurti podcast. Each weekly episode is based on a major theme of Krishnamurti's teachings, such as self-knowledge, authority, beauty and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is confusion. Upcoming themes are time, freedom and change. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has two sections. This first, longer extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in New York, 1966, titled Action Born of Confusion Leads to More Confusion. I think we said that we would talk over together this evening the question of confusion. Before we go into that, I think we should understand what we mean by freedom and if there is such thing as freedom. And also, what we mean by choice. Freedom from something which is really a reaction, is not freedom at all. A revolt against a certain pattern of thought or certain structure of society, a mere revolt, is not freedom. Freedom implies, doesn't it really, a state of mind in which there is no imitation, conformity. 
Therefore, no fear. One can revolt and yet conform, as is happening in the world now. And this revolt is generally called freedom. But that revolt inevitably, whether it is the communist revolution or any other <coughs> social revolution, must invariably create a pattern Maybe a different social order, but it's still a pattern of conformity. And when we are talking about freedom, surely we mean a state in which there is no conformity at all. No imitation. An imitation and conformity must exist when there is fear, and fear invariably breeds authority. The authority of an experience of another, or the authority of a new drug, or the authority of one's own experience, one's own pattern of thinking. So I think we should be fairly clear when we talk about freedom. The politicians talk about freedom, and they really don't mean it at all. And the religious people throughout the world have talked from freedom from bondage, freedom from sorrow, freedom from all the travails of human anxiety. And they have said, they have laid down a certain cause, a certain pattern of behaviour, thoughts, action. And again, that freedom is denied when there is conformity to the pattern, religious or social, and so on. And is there freedom? Is, is there freedom when there is choice? And choice, seems to me, is an act of confusion. When I am bewildered, confused, uncertain, then I choose. And I say to myself, I choose out of my freedom. 
I'm free to choose. But choice, is it not the outcome of uncertainty? And out of my confusion, bewilderment, uncertainty, the feeling of being incapable of clarity. Out of this confusion I act, I choose a leader, I choose a certain course of action and I commit myself to a particular activity. But that activity, that pattern of action, a pursuit of a particular mould or thought is the result of my confusion. If I am not confused, if there is no confusion whatsoever, then there is no choice. I see things as they are. I act not on choice. So it seems to me that a mind capable of choosing is really a very confused mind. Perhaps you may not agree to this, but please, if I may suggest, just listen to the very end of it, neither agreeing nor disagreeing. As we said the other day, I'm not, we are not doing any propaganda for any particular philosophy, for any particular course of action. or lay down certain principles, all those are the indications of the utter lack of freedom. And when one is confused, bewildered, as most people are, right through the world, We, out of this confusion, choose a political leader, a religious system, or the dictates of the latest craze. So, one has to go into this question of what is clarity, whether, it, whether the mind which is so confused, uncertain, made discomfort, inaction, and thinking that is incapable of real clarity and therefore must choose.
So, can a mind, which is so conditioned in the various social influences, religious patterns, by the propaganda that goes on incessantly, to force you to think this way or that way. The innumerable political, religious leaders that exist in the world, the sects, all these have brought about confusion in the mind. When I am dissatisfied with one particular pattern of activity or a course of thought, or a particular philosophy, dogma, I move to another series. And so I'm always held, I'm always committed. And we think that there will be clarity there will be freedom from, from confusion when I am committed to a particular course of action. So it seems to me a mind that is confused, and we know the various reasons of this confusion, the religious, political, the, the philosophies, the theologians with their particular pattern of thinking what to believe and what not to believe, with their commitments. So we, as ordinary human beings, are lost. We don't know what to do. So it seems to me the first thing is not to be committed. To any organization, religious, political, sectarian, or to any latest drug, not to be committed. And that's very difficult. because all the pressure around one says you must be committed, you must do something. Do this or do that, take the latest drug, drug or go to this particular philosophy or to that particular teacher or you know, all the rest of it. And we, out of our confusion, because they assert so clearly, so positively, and with such clarity, that we accept, hoping out of this acceptance there will come about certain clarity of thought, feeling, certainty. So that can the mind 
be in a state of non-commitment. Please, as we said the other day, a talk of this kind is only worthwhile if we can go beyond the word, because the explanation and the word is not the thing. There can be a hundred explanations for the reason, for the reasons of confusion. But a mind that wants, that demands freedom from confusion. is not satisfied with explanations, with words, or with any authority. So if we can this evening find out for ourselves whether it is possible for a mind which realizes it is confused, realizes it is committed to a particular course of action, social or religious or all the rest of it, cease to be committed. <coughs> Not because someone tells it, but the understanding that any commitment to any particular pattern of thought or action engenders more confusion and a mind demanding clarity, a mind demanding that it must be free from all confusion because it understands the necessity of it. And that very understanding frees the mind from commitment. And that's one of the most difficult things to do We are committed because we, we think that, is, that commitment will lead us to certain clarity, to certain facility of action and so on and on and on. And if one is not committed, one feels lost. Because all around one, people are committed. You go to this group or to that group, to this teacher or to that teacher, you follow a certain leader, everyone is caught in this. 
and not to be committed demands the awareness of what is implied in commitment and that very awareness frees the mind from commitment if i am aware if one is aware of a danger sees it very clearly then you don't touch it you don't go near it but to see it clear clearly is very difficult because the mind says i must do act i can't wait what am i to do surely a mind that is confused uncertain disturbed must first realize that it is disturbed and also understand that any movement out of this disturbance only creates further disturbance and not to be committed implies to stand completely alone and that's and that <coughs> demands great understanding of fear as you can see what's happening in the world nobody wants to be alone <coughs> alone in the sense not with the radio not with a book not sitting under a tree by yourself in a monastery with a different name or different label it implies an awareness of all the implications of the various forms of commitments of man out of his confusion and because a, a mature human being demands freedom from confusion and then when there is that awareness of the fact and or the facts of confusion then out of that there is then one is alone then one is not really afraid and then what is what to do one sees very clearly that any action 
bone of confusion only leads to more confusion. That's very simple and very clear. And when one sees clearly that any action born of confusion only leads to further confusion, when you see that very clearly, then what is the right action? I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Because we live by action, we cannot but act. The whole process of living is action. So one has to again go into this question of what is action. I, we know, one knows very clearly the action born of confusion. Hoping through that act will achieve certainty, clarity. And if I see that, then being not committed to any course of thought, philosophy or ideals, then what is action? This is a legitimate question after we have said all these things. The only action that we know is the action of conformity. I have had certain experiences, certain pleasures, certain knowledge, and that has set the course of my action. I believe in certain things and according to that belief I, I act, conform. I have had certain pleasure. In my experience, and pleasure dictates the course of my action. sexual or non-sexual, ideological and so on. So the most of our action, if you if one observes very closely, action being what the doing.
is always the outcome of the past. So action is never in the present, it's always the result of the past. And that action is what we call the positive, because it is always following what has been in the present and creating the future. Please, we're not talking any deep philosophy. We're just observing the facts. And after observing the facts we can go very, very, very deeply. But first one must clear the field. So the word action implies an active present. Action is always action in the present. Not I have acted or I will act. So the, our action is an approximation of an idea, of a symbol, of an ideology, or a philosophy or of an experience which we have had, the knowledge, the accumulated experiences, traditions and so on, so on, so on. Now, is there an action which is not conforming? Are you interested in all this? <laughs> because you see, a mind that demands freedom, and it's only in freedom you have passion, not lust. I'm not talking. Not that it has not its right place, but I'm talking of freedom in which there is intense energy and passion. Otherwise you can't act. Otherwise you're merely a repetitive mechanical machine. The machine set up by the society, by the particular culture in which has been one has grown, or by the religious organizational uh, machine. If one wants, not want, if one sees the urgency of, of freedom, 
And in that freedom there is passion. And passion is always in the present, not sometime something that's the past and that, that you will have tomorrow, which is the passion created by thought as pleasure. Surely there is a difference between the passion of pleasure and the passion which comes when there is complete freedom from confusion. When there is total clarity. And that clarity is only possible with its intensity, with its passion, with its timeless quality, is only possible when we understand what is action, whether action can ever be freed from imitation, conformity. from the dictates of either of society or of our own fears or of our own inherent laziness. Because we like to repeat, 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 especially anything that gives us great pleasure. The sexual act and all the rest of it. And that becomes much more important when society becomes more and more superficial, which is what is happening in the world. When progress is technological, outward, when prosperity is self-centered, then pleasure becomes the highest importance, whether it's the pleasure of sex, pleasure of a religious (laughs) – please don't laugh, because it's much too serious, all these things – Because we are facing tremendous crisis in life. And some know this crisis, which is not economic, social, but crisis in consciousness itself. And to break through that, to answer to that crisis as a challenge demands great seriousness.
So, one has to go into this question of action, because life is a movement in action. You can't just sit still, and that's what we are doing. We are not in a movement. We are in the movement of what has been. And the young people say, we are the new generation, but they are not. And to understand all this, one must go into this question of what is action in freedom? If there is such thing as freedom, first, whether the mind can be free from its conditioning. Whether the brain cells themselves, which have been so heavily conditioned for so many million years, which has its own responsive patterns, So what is action? Action according to an idea we know very well, according to a formula. Formula imposed outwardly on the mind or the formula the mind itself creates for itself. And according to that, act. The formula of knowledge, of experience, of tradition. And the fear of what the neighbour says. And so on and on. And that's the action we know. And therefore, that action is always limited, always leads to more conditioning. there any other action which is not? I think one must, inevitably one must ask this question for oneself, knowing what is taking place in the world, the misery, the wars, the political divisions, the geographical divisions, the divisions created by religions, by beliefs, dogmas, you know what's happening in the world. And seeing all that, can there be an action which is not of that pattern? Surely, can we go on? Please, as I said, as we said, to 
agree or to disagree has no meaning. You can turn your back on it, on the challenge, on the crisis, and amuse yourself, entertain yourself in different ways. But when you are confronted with a crisis, which each one of us is, because we are totally responsible for the whole structure of human society, we are responsible for these wars, we are responsible for these national geographical divisions. We are responsible for the divisions of religion, with their dogmas, with their fears, with their superstitions, because we have committed ourselves to these. And we cannot avoid them. There they are. So. How will one answer So is there any other action which is not creating its own bondage? I think there is, and I'm going to go into it. Please, again, we are not accepting any authority. The speaker has no authority whatsoever. Because there is no follower nor is there any teacher. The follower destroys the teacher, and the teacher destroys the follower. But what we are trying to do is to examine, and in the process of examination, discover what is true for oneself. Really, it's not a process. Process implies time, a gradual, step by step, 
but there is no step by step. There is no gradual process of understanding. You, when you see something very clearly, it's you act, and clarity of perception does come about through gradual process and time. We said there is the positive action with which we are all familiar, and we are trying to find out if there is an action which is not positive at all, in the sense as we have understood it being positive, which is conformity. That is, to put it differently, one is confused. Of that there is no doubt in our relationships with each other, in our activities, which God worshipeth, we worship at all, and so on and so on. We are confused. And out of that confusion any action is still confusing. Therefore, that understanding brings about, if you observe very carefully, and I hope you are doing it now, brings about a negation of the positive. Right? And therefore, there is an action which is not positive. It is the very denying of the positive is the negative action. Look, so let me put it around differently. The question is, is there an action I'm not talking about spontaneous action. There is no such thing as spontaneous action, except perhaps when you see some dangerous thing, or when a child is drowning, and so on. That's we are not facing that every day. We are trying to find out an action which is not based on a mechanical process. And one must find it, otherwise one is a mere machine, which most human beings are. The daily routine of going to the office for the next forty years, the repetitive action of pleasure, and so on and so on. Now, we are trying to find out if there is an action which is not at all conforming, and to find out the positive action must come to an end. Surely. And 
is it possible for the positive action to come to an end without any assertion of the will? If there is any assertion of the will, decision that all positive action must come to an end, that decision will create the new pattern, which will be an action of conformity. I don't When I say to myself, I will not do that, the, the assertion of will is the outcome of my desire to find something new. But the, the old pattern, the old activity is created by desire, by fear, by pleasure. By denying the old pattern through an action of will, I have created the same pattern in a different field. Is this fairly clear? Uh, no, please. Not verbally clear. Explanation is never the thing. The word is not the real. The symbol is never the real. What is real is to see this thing very clearly and when you see it, then the positive action comes to an end. You see, freedom is total negation of the positive. But that the positive is not the opposite of the negative, but is something entirely different, at a different dimension altogether. So look, death is the ultimate negation of life, isn't it? Ending. And the ending we resist through positive assertion of the known. Right? My family, my house, my character, my this and this and all the rest of it. We're not discussing, we're not going to the question of death now. That we'll have to do it another evening then. Immense question. And
What we are trying to find out is, is there an action in total negation? Because we have to negate it totally. All the structure of fear, all the structure that demands security, certainty, because there is no certainty. That's what, there is no certainty in Vietnam. A man killed there is a man is you. <coughs> so can we, in the very denying of the total positive fragmentary approach to life, denying that totally, not through any uh, ideal or through any pleasure, because you see the absurdity of the all of that structure. Not belonging to any nation, to any group, to any society, to any philosophy, to any activity, not completely denying all that, because you see the, that is the product of confusion, confused mind. then in the very denial is the action which is not conforming. Therefore that is freedom. Look, I believe Since recorded history, man has chosen the way of war. Fourteen thousand five hundred or more, fifteen thousand wars, two and a half wars every year. And we haven't denied war. We have favourite wars and not favourite wars. We haven't denied violence. Which indicates man does not want peace. Peace is something not between two wars or the peace of a politician. Peace is something entirely different. Peace comes when there is freedom from the positive. I hope you understand the word when we use the word positive. And when you deny totally war or totally the division of the religious absurdities, because you understand the whole nature of it, the structure of it, not because you don't like this or that. It's nothing to do with like or dislike. 
then in the very denial of that is the negation, and out of the negation there is an action which is never conformed. So a mind that's confused, seeking clarity, will only further confuse itself, because a confused mind can't seek clarity. It's confused. What can it do? Any search on its part will only lead to further confusion. I think we don't realise that. When it's confused, one has to stop. Stop pursuing any activity. And the very stopping is the beginning of the new, which is the most positive action, positive in a different sense altogether. And all this implies, does it not, that there must be profound self-knowing, to know the whole structure of your thinking, feeling, the motives, the fears, the anxieties, the guilts, the guilt, the despair, the fear, and to know the whole content of one's mind, one has to be aware, aware in the sense, observe, not with resistance or with condemnation, with approval or disapproval, with pleasure or non-pleasure, just to observe. And that observation is the negation of the psychological structure of a society which says you must, you must not. Therefore, self-knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. And also, self-knowledge is the beginning and the ending of sorrow. And the self-knowing is not to be bought in a book or going to a psychologist and being examined analytically. Self-knowledge is the understanding actually what is in oneself, the pains, the anxieties, seeing them without any distortion. Then out of this awareness clarity comes to be.
This second, shorter extract this week is from the fourth talk in Madras, 1970, titled Confusion Tells Its Own Story. As one knows very well, if you have at all observed your own life, what a conflict life is. How much sorrow there is, how much fear, anxiety, sense of immense uncertainty. And being uncertain, wanting to be told what to do, either from a book or from another. Our life, from morning till night, from the moment we are born till we die, is a battle, a series of resistances. And in this welter of confusion. How can a mind find out what it is to live? When a mind is confused, how can it find out what is not confusion? So the first thing is to observe the confusion, not try to get out of it, because the getting out of confusion is a form of resistance of confusion, against confusion. But if you observe confusion, then it will tell you the story. That is, if you know how to listen to the story. But if you interpret the confusion, evaluate or condemn or desire to have more enlightenment, then you are telling the story. Whereas if you observe completely silently and listen, then it will tell you an extraordinary story. <laughs> 